Hey, Being at Work listeners, welcome back to another episode. One of my all-time favorite episodes. I have been envisioning this conversation even before I saw the Barbie movie. And let me tell you a little bit about how this idea was originally planted in my head. I serve on the board of Next Gen Talent with today's guest, Gabby Popowitz, one of my favorite people. And several weeks ago, Gabby and I were co-leading a development session with a group of emerging leaders. And during our conversation, someone quoted the Barbie movie. I hadn't seen it yet. And then someone else quoted the Barbie movie. And then someone else quoted the Barbie movie. And there was this collective relatability to the leadership challenges highlighted in the movie. So then when I actually saw it, and then I saw it again, I loved it so much and talked with Gabby about it and knew that this episode, Leadership Lessons from the Barbie Movie, I knew that it had to happen. And I knew that the conversation had to happen with Gabby because not only is she such an incredible leader, an executive HR talent leader, a gifted communicator, as you'll hear, and an all around beautiful human Gabby has an uncanny ability to connect leadership and pop culture. So we hopped onto the podcast feed to explore our key takeaways from this empowering movie that we both really love and appreciate. Listen in as we highlight four specific leadership lessons from the Barbie movie that are important for all leaders. I believe wholeheartedly that this is a conversation for both male and female leaders. After all, We're better together, particularly when we struggle together. So Gabby's going to kick us off by sharing her high-level thoughts, and then we'll dive into the four lessons. My biggest takeaway, you are enough just as you are. Check it out. I remember seeing the preview for it a couple months before it came out, and before I knew they were making it, I didn't even know. And I was immediately very excited because I grew up very much playing with Barbies. I had a strong Barbie collection. I think back on it now in my career in HR, and I love to help people, right, with career development questions. And I loved all the different professions that Barbie held. I was the girl that bought the doctor Barbie and the vet Barbie and those things. And now I'm like, huh, that's interesting. So I remember being initially excited about it and saying, oh, when that comes out this summer, I want to see it. And I saw it once. And I don't know if there's a two-hour span that I've laughed and cried that much since maybe the first time I saw Steel Magnolias. It was really just a journey. It was a great experience. It was so entertaining. And I loved it. I thought there was something relevant for everyone in it. I think there was something relevant for boys and girls and men and women and non-binary people and just leaders and mothers and just every human, which is super powerful because there's something so relevant in it for so many people that it provides different perspectives to you as well. So just a great movie. What did you think? I'm hearing that in my friend group, my family, my team is women and men alike are finding a lot of value. And surprisingly, people are saying, oh my gosh, I hadn't expected. I have one colleague that said, I thought it was a kid's movie. So I was like, yeah, I'm not sure. But then I was blown away by it. I think the word about the merit and the relevance of the movie has really created a moment in pop culture. And people love to bond 
around something, right? They love to be part of something. A huge Taylor Swift fan. She's amazing. How cool is that to be in that moment with that stadium? Just like the Barbie movie, you go and there's groups, heterogeneous groups of people that are wearing pink and excited to be there and laughing and tearing up at different parts of the movie. So it really is becoming a bit of a movement, a bit of a viral moment. And I think it's worth it. I think it's very well deserved. It is. And as you think about the why behind the movement, you talked about the relevance to people. And so obviously there are some key leadership lessons that we can pull out from it. Because I host a leadership podcast and I'm an executive coach and a leadership facilitator, the lens that I'm usually walking around with is looking for leadership lessons. And as I was watching the movie, I literally had my notebook and I was taking notes. I knew this conversation was coming. As you and I have been talking about this, I appreciate how you have categorized really four key leadership themes. And we could spend so much time on all of them. I would love for you to bring each of them to life because of the relevance to leaders. I think at any level in any industry, regardless, you can take something away. Even if you haven't seen the movie, I think these are some great concepts. Agreed, Andrea. And yeah, and I'm right there with you, right? Being an HR leader and in partnering with leaders for my career, which is getting longer and longer. And I'm almost like scared to mention the years anymore, but you immediately think of things through that perspective. And then that's what I do. I love to bring pop culture to leadership. So in the Barbie movie, gosh, leadership lessons abound. I would say one of the most relevant and I think a key to the movie is really Asking the question of what kind of mask do we wear as a leader? What kind of burdens do we bear as a leader? Because in the movie, Barbie really starts to struggle and people feel it. It creates an effect and an impact on the people that follow her and the people she interacts with. That's something very real that happens to leaders every day. So it's not easy. The scene that really brought this thought to me is, She's at this dance party that she's throwing at her house. And it seems like a regular thing. Like every Saturday night, they throw this amazing dance party and all the Barbies get dressed up and everything's perfect and everything's going just the way it should. And the Kens are in their place being the side characters and the Barbies are in the middle of the dance floor and they all look amazing and they're dancing. And Barbie asks, did you ever think about dying? The music screeches to a halt. And all eyes turn on Barbie and they're like, what did you just say? And I really empathize because as leaders, we're hard charging the priorities. We have to be realists and we have to be optimists and we have to be right there at the forefront of everything in the organization and coming at it. And if you ask a hard question or you have a moment of self-doubt, which is so human and so real you could really disrupt the flow and lose confidence and get attention that maybe shakes people to the core. And I really identified with that because life is so hard, right? And leaders, they have to be brave. They have to be out there. And when is a good time to share that vulnerability? And I felt for Barbie as she asked that question for sure. Yeah, which is why you call it the burden of leadership, because it's such a hard thing to balance, isn't it? Modeling the way that we want people to follow and being ourselves at the same time. And in that moment, when she's questioning, then she immediately feels this when everyone's reaction is like, what? She feels this shame and this embarrassment for like, 
oh, well, what I really meant was, so not allowing ourselves. I can think of so many times in my career, like, oh, I can't think that. I need to stay on course. I need to toe the line. I can't ask the deeper question because people struggle with that. I think a lot of times leaders can't question what we're currently doing because it'll disturb the faith and the momentum we have towards that objective when sometimes that might be necessary, right? There's very few people that just are steadfast in their confidence and their belief that, you know, A will lead to B. And so leaders have to wear that mask. They have to carry that burden of saying, this is a leap of faith, but I believe in it 110%. And it's a lot. So that's number one. And then the additional, I think, burden or mask of leadership is how many of us that are leaders have something monumental going on in our personal life in context outside of work. And you have a day full of critical meetings and you have to just immediately suppress all of these feelings and thoughts about dying, about you know, I got a bad test result or something's going wrong in my marriage or my relationship or my child is sick. You have to just suppress it and I'll just deal with this at five, six, seven o'clock tonight or something. And you put on that game face and lead right in. And that can lead, I would imagine, to some pretty significant burnout. It can lead to some serious distress having to wear those dual faces. I'm so grateful how the movie acknowledged that and then put people in her path to help her struggle through that. Enter Weird Barbie, who was a mentor and a guide along the way. Because we need safe places to fall. And I loved it how everyone, when she's starting to struggle, everyone immediately was like, well, you got to go see Weird Barbie. Don't we all have that friend? Like, well, you got to talk to your therapist or you got to talk to so-and-so. Yeah, just someone that sees things a little bit differently, that has a lot of wisdom. And Weird Barbie, did you notice, wasn't at the party. Weird Barbie might not be our closest friend or our bestie or just the person next to us all the time, but Weird Barbie adds a lot of wisdom. And Andrea, I really like them incorporating a Weird Barbie for many reasons. One, because as a Barbie fan, we all had a Weird Barbie, right? All my Barbies were Weird Barbies. I cut their hair. They're all in the splits all the time. I love that so much. They smelled like basement. Yep. <laughs> we all had the weird Barbie. So that was beautiful and relevant. I was a literature major in undergrad. And one of the main concepts we learned is every amazing story about a hero. It's called the hero's journey, right? The hero experiences some challenge and then they meet or find or connect with a mentor before leading them out of it. And so I really thought it was just the classic archetype of this is the mentor that's going to help Barbie as she goes through this journey that's coming next and just thought it was beautiful. Plus, Kate McKinnon is hilarious. So wonderful insight there. I loved it. Loved the whole thing. Okay. We talked a lot about the mask, the burden of leadership and the value then in having someone to struggle with in the moments as you're feeling that burden. Another connected leadership lesson that you highlight is Defining ourselves, really being able to name and own who we are. There's so much here around this. Yes, I feel very deeply about this concept because I will be the first to admit that sometimes I struggle to separate my identity, who I am as a person from my career, from my job, from that 
side of me. And I've had moments in my life when you are faced with a deep loss or a personal challenge. And when you peel it all back, right? Like, I love what I do, Andrea, but my last days, I probably won't spend creating a leadership development program. My last days on this earth, I might be traveling or enjoying cheesecake, a whole one, (laughs) or whatever the game, spending time with friends and family. And careers are important and it's okay if it drives you and it's okay if you partially identify as what you do, but you are not just what you do. And I think that when Barbie in the movie, she starts to really struggle with why am I thinking about death? Barbies don't think about death. Why am I crying? There are tears running to my face. Barbies don't cry. She's confusing the person that she is and what her job should be as a Barbie. And it creates the severe conflict that leads to this amazing journey of self-discovery. Yes, she keeps saying, I'm stereotypical Barbie. That's her identity. I am stereotypical Barbie. So this is pretty prevalent throughout the entire movie because there is President Barbie, there's Barbie senators, there's Mermaid Barbie, there's all the Barbies have a profession. Even Ken, his job is beach. Just beach. And he's really good at it. Absolutely. And, you know, she has this severe conflict of I'm feeling these things and I want to do these things and I want to discover what I actually want but I have this job. And so to me, it really spoke to my soul because I've had moments too, Andrea, on my jungle gym, I transitioned to teaching after being in HR for a little bit and transitioned back. And you have these moments where you're really conflicted. Who am I? What do I want to do? But when you ask yourself that question, it sure feels like, what do I want to be? And that's what we have to stop confusing, right? And I love that Barbie experiences this. And experiencing it, I think, really leads her to the answer. Yeah. And it comes full circle. The moments that brought the most tears for me were when she meets her creator, when her and Ruth connect at the end of the movie. Look, I'm like getting emotional just thinking about it. Oh, my goodness. She says, I want to be part of the people that make the meaning, not the thing that is made. One of my all-time favorite quotes is, life is not about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself. And what her creator was saying is, you get to choose. I created you to be anything you want to be. She had chosen stereotypical. I'm stereotypical Barbie. But then do you remember the scene? I love so much when she's feeling like she's starting to create herself. And then the CEO of Mattel, who's Will Ferrell, which is so freaking hysterical, tries to get her to go back into the box. And for a second, she's like, oh, I've not been in a box for a long time. And she starts to comply, but then she runs. And it's such a reminder to me that I get to choose how I'm showing up, the evolution of my life. It's not fixed. And that's so empowering. And she gets to choose her own joy, which in the scene where she touches her creator's hand, There's all these beautiful moments and there's also sad moments, right? And there's tears and it goes through what human life is like, the joys and the heartbreak. And I think it's so powerful because we get to choose our journey. We get to choose our adventure and we get to choose joy, even if joy isn't consistently joy, even if it involves heartbreak and challenge, but it's what we're up for. And 
It's who we want to become instead of who we are and what we do and defining ourselves by that. And just beautiful, like your quote. So I really think the movie did an amazing job with that. And I think it's spiritual in an almost agnostic way because you can make it about toys and creation and just the meaning of life. And you can also liken it to your spirituality, which whatever that is. I didn't find it polarizing. And I think it really creates a powerful message of what life should be about is the moments that matter to us and not how we spend our days and not how we live up to other people's expectation of us. Yeah. One of my favorite books is We Are What We Say About Ourselves. And so it's a good challenge for leaders to reflect on what do you believe about yourself? How do you talk about yourself? When people ask you, what do you do or what fires you up or do you even know who you are? Like, isn't that the work? And to your point, like she chose that. She chose coming into the messy, the real, the way in which she thought it was because she wanted to create. Yes, the tears. She wanted to create the meaning. Yeah, she chose the tears and the goodbyes and ultimately mortality and, and giving up perfection, right? Because that's what mattered to her. And getting to go to the gynecologist for the first time. What, gosh, freaking fantastic ending. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking leading into that moment. But I remember that laughter is just, that was unreal. Oh, so good. So you alluded earlier to the important part that Ken played. And I've heard a lot of men talk about the learning and the insight. And Ken's journey is so important in this film, one of the things that you highlight, Gabby, is the importance of empathy and keeping a pulse on what's happening with your people, because she hadn't with Ken, and that all comes out. Ken provides a lot of lessons throughout the film. Like, maybe, Andrea, I think there's a future session about Ken's journey with a leader. A really interesting and surprisingly complex character, even though his job is beach. But I thought it was really interesting because, you know, when Barbie leaves to go to Barbie land and then Ken joins her because he can't imagine or fathom a couple days without her. And she's almost annoyed and he just wants to be on her journey with her. So that was a little interesting, but she agrees. And then they go and Ken learns about the patriarchy. <laughs> he says, I'm going to put that in place at Barbie land. And he loses interest when he learns that it's not about horses. Yes. Horses are just men extenders. It's not really about horses. He comes back and they do this patriarchal thing. And then when Barbie comes back and Ken is actually angry with her. Ken is so angry with her. And I thought it was so interesting. She was oblivious to that until there was a forcing event that created this conflict where he took over her dream house and she wanted it back. She said, what is going on here? And his true anger came out because she did not ever really see him. And so that's the empathy part too. You know, leaders are so busy and they're carrying this burden and they're making over 45,000 decisions a day, things like that. Leaders are busy. They're tired. There's reason for it, but it's really easy to turn a blind eye to what's really going on, to lose sight, to lose that pulse of the organization to not really see people as they are, to let them wear that mask and not dig deeper to really figure out what's going on behind it. And I think Barbie did that to Ken because then she had to work pretty significantly at repairing that relationship when it was too late. 
Yeah, not seeing him. Because there were moments where he was really trying to express to her the night when he wanted to hang out. And it's girls' night. And it's always girls' night. And he was so sad. He totally missed it. She was so excited about girls' night. Right. And then he stowed away in her car. And she's like, oh, gosh, are you kidding? And she almost viewed being with him as managing him. And I understand he wasn't necessarily impactful in her journey to find her owner. But at the same point in time, just having more empathy, truly seeing him, understanding those things, talking to him. And the truth of the matter is, and they even say this at one of the points in the movie, the narrator says, but can exist for Barbie to be seen by Barbie. And so the fact that she didn't acknowledge that he's consistently striving for her validation and for her gaze, and she did not miss it. And that really resonated when they said, Ken only has a good day if Barbie looks at him. And I think about how I have put my happiness in the hands of others so many times, like waiting for that phone call, waiting for that text message. If they notice me, then I'll feel good. So from that perspective, too, I recognized how I have been Ken. That's the beauty of the movie. So leaders can see that and say, oh, my gosh, I'm not seeing my number two or my mentee and I'm not seeing where they show up. Just as well as I think a teenager can see I am Ken and I'm waiting for my boyfriend, my friend to validate me, to invite me to the party instead of making my own existence and saying I am enough. Maybe not a teenager, maybe a 48 year old woman. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You know, there's lessons, reciprocal lessons. Don't wait for other people to validate us to find our own happiness and to create our own journey. And then as a person, whoever we are, we could have Kens that are looking to us for that validation and to see us. And I'm not saying consistently validate their existence, but what I am saying is empathy goes a long way, seeing them where they are, encouraging them to go on that self-discovery journey to find out that they are also enough. It's like setting them free. I'm not saying break up. You got it. Because when she finally did, that was when he recognized like, okay, I am worthy outside of this relationship. I got so excited earlier. I was talking over you when you acknowledged the hoodie that we all love so much. I am Kanaf. We have to get those hoodies, Gabby. I love that so much. We will get that for sure. And actually, that reminds me. So Ken in the movie has a song. I'm just Ken. So his song is about not being enough. And then he says, anywhere else, I'd be a 10. And so Barbie not seeing him consistently invalidates his opinion of himself. It's sad. He needs weird Ken, right? Who maybe is in the form in the movie of Alan. I'm not sure. But he needs that mentor to come in and say, hey, you are worthy. I see you. So good. My gosh. I definitely think we need to do a part two that is just about Ken because there's so much here to unpack. So we've talked about the mask or burden of leadership lesson one. We've talked about defining ourselves, lesson two. We've talked about empathy, keeping a pulse on what's going on with your people, lesson three. And the fourth lesson is really broad, just like all of the others. We could talk so much about it, but I really want to highlight it because while these messages are relatable to everyone, there were some things that really connected specifically for women and some powerful leadership lessons for female leaders. Absolutely. Yes. 
as a woman, I identify as a woman, and I found so many small points and big points in the movie and had moments that just related to my experience as a woman. I would say for me, Andrea, I don't know about you, but the dialogue that America Ferreira has, and I'm sure if you haven't seen the movie, you've probably seen clips on TikTok or Facebook, but it is truly the dichotomy and the impossible challenge of being a woman. I think I read it in an article once. It's the Goldilocks dilemma, where the porridge is either too hot or too cold. It's never just right. And she goes on and she talks about how, you know, you have to be healthy, but you can't be too thin and you have to be assertive, but you can't be overly aggressive or else people will judge that as angry. And you probably remember more of these, Andrea, than I do, but she talks about all of these oxymorons. Yeah, I actually have it because I love it so much that I printed it out after the movie and it is quite lengthy. But I do think there are some pieces of it that are good. You've highlighted it so well, Gabby. I also think the fact that Gloria, because she's the one that created this existential crisis. She worked at Mattel and she started having all of these dark fantasies and doing these drawings and imagining. And so she's, I don't know, transferring somehow, right? Those thoughts to stereotypical Barbie. But stereotypical Barbie then is breaking down and feeling so confused and feeling like she's not enough. And so Gloria goes on this incredible monologue, as you've said, like, it's impossible to be a woman. But I'll just read the last couple of sentences. She said, I'm just so tired of watching myself and every single other woman tie herself into knots so that people will like us. And if all of that is also true for a doll just representing women, then I don't even know. I felt those words at my core, tying myself in knots so that people will like me. I have found that the more work I do accepting myself, isn't it interesting then that life accepts me? Yeah, or the less you worry or the less you strive for that acceptance from others and the more confident you are in yourself. I think it's beautiful. It is a journey though. I have moments where I still struggle as I mature and age. I think it gets a little bit easier, but there are still moments where you just feel absolutely like you can't win. I think women and the movement of women has come a long way, right? How many female leaders there are and things like this. But there's still research that validates that sometimes if a woman is more assertive, Maybe people react differently to her than they would if a man or another gender is acting the same way. And I think the movie does a great job in that the movie was even made and we can produce this commentary, right? But at the same point in time, it says there's still a lot of expectations out there, a lot of identities that a lot of people expect women to fill. Very rarely does a woman feel like she can just be Ken <laughs> and just beach. It's more along the lines of Barbie is Barbie and then she's becoming human and she also has to save Barbie land and she has to find Gloria and bond with her child and then she has to come back and lead the coup to get the patriarchal kit. She has 87 different roles in the movie and the film and she gets exhausted. And I think that's what I identified with as well. She almost short circuits. And that's when Gloria gives the speech that brings her out of it. 
I looked around in that moment in the theater the second time I saw it because I did see it twice and I may not be done yet. But I looked around and I looked at every person in the theater around me and regardless of gender and a lot of different ages were represented and people had that aha moment. And going back to like we said at the beginning of the podcast, that's why I feel like the movie is so powerful. Even if it's not your own experience it's speaking to, it definitely provides some insight into other experiences. And that's a huge part of life. That's another big part of the movie is Barbie goes on a journey to experience being human or life. So really interesting. Yeah, I hear there's some backlash. I don't get into that. I tend to focus on things that make me feel good and that doesn't. I've only had one guy say to me something like, isn't it man bashing? And so I just said, have you seen it? And he said, no, I haven't. And I'm like, well, I would just, I really encourage you to check it out. And so I don't know. I mean, maybe I have a bias. I did not see that. I think it's so helpful for men. And I've had so many men say the contrary that, yes, it did help them so much. I agree as well. Yeah, people will form their own opinions and they're entitled to them. However, I agree. I thought it was pro-woman. I thought it was pro-man. I thought it was pro-human and pro-leader. And I feel one of, if not the biggest lesson from the movie you could walk away with is Barbie encourages Ken not to exist for her. That's not healthy. I don't want you to do that. You are enough just being who you are. So I'm not quite sure how that could be offensive. I almost felt it would be helpful for men and women and anyone to have that reminder. Yeah. And it wouldn't be a great, powerful movie if it wasn't controversial. Exactly. If people weren't talking about it, you got it. Because it's challenging. It's challenging thoughts and beliefs and patriarchy. And it's such a great way to sum up all of these lessons that the leadership lesson is you are enough just being who you are. And what the movie does is it takes us on this journey. I mean, it is a journey of resilience and strength. She literally collapses a couple of times and she gets up. Yes. And courage. Yeah. She goes into the real world and she doesn't know who she's looking for. She doesn't know what's going to happen. And I think it's daring is a point of it too, right? Like she chooses to follow her joy, even though it means a significant disruption to everything she has known. I think Barbie is very courageous. Yeah. And she goes in eyes wide open. And one of them had said to her, one of her Barbie friends, everyone's going to love you so much. They're going to give you hugs. And then that conversation that she had with those girls at the lunch table, like you have set women back 50 years. So she had a meltdown. And I love the scene then after that, when she's sitting on that bench with another woman at the end of the bench and she looks at her that they look at each other and she looks at the woman and says, you are beautiful. And the woman responds, I know. I think that's a turning point for Barbie. I think that's a moment where she started really considering her future. And they call it glimmers, these moments, these micro moments of happiness, of curiosity, of things that fill our heart. And so I think the movie does a good job of showing us poignant glimmers. And I think that is one. And I love how the woman says, I know. <laughs> and she is right. She's an older woman. She's more mature than Barbie for sure. And she is confident in herself and her beauty and, you know, her existence, who she is. And I love it. I thought it was great. And, you know, along that vein, weird Barbie, 
just even having her in the film and having her be almost a hero, right? There's one point in the movie where they say, does anyone have a map? And weird Barbie, of course I do. She's consistently prepared. She's like this oracle in the movie. And at first you think it's funny because weird Barbie looks weird and she smells like basement and whatever. But ultimately, like, I think they did a great job of portraying that beauty is inconsistent and beauty is who you are and not what you look like. And beauty is the contributions that you bring to the people around you. And it really touched me. The entire movie touched me. Even the Birkenstocks plug. The truth. My Birks are the truth. I'm wearing them right now. They're the greatest things ever. Yes, I would get a Birkenstocks tattoo, but I loved it. And they were pink. And she's faced with the choice. Do you want these high heels that are going to hurt? Or do you want the Birkenstocks that are the way of the truth? So just amazing from start to finish. But yeah, I definitely keep processing it. There is one character in our last few minutes that you alluded to earlier. We have to talk about the power of Alan. What an incredible ally he was to Barbie and what he represents. Alan's amazing. And and I think Alan was very much an intentional plug. Alan was a real character that was discontinued. He was the only Alan. And I think he was Midge's husband. And in the movie, Michael Sarah plays Alan, which is really funny. But Alan is the first one to join Barbie when Barbie land turns into like patriarchal Ken and horse society. He's the first one to join along. And he wants to rescue, right, or restore it to what he believes is naturally beautiful. He helps Barbie. He's a powerful ally. Now, the thing that I really love about Alan is there's a moment where Ken has this war with other Kens, and Alan joins that as well. And Ken, I think, gets hurt or looks wounded, and it shoots to Alan's face, and Alan is so unhappy and worried about Ken. And so it's really a powerful statement. A couple of things. One is there's only one Alan. So allies, powerful allies can be a little rare. So know them when you see them and keep them close to you. Two, the beautiful thing about Alan and why we all need Alans is Alan was happy for Ken. He was worried about Ken. He wanted Ken to be well. He wanted Ken to find himself. And he wanted all those same things for Barbie. He was equally rooting for them both. And how beautiful is that, right? So good. I love Alan. I do too. And then there's a moment where Alan gets into a fight or something and he wins. He bests a couple other people. And I think it's really funny because they portray him as a little bit sensitive, just a little unique, a little odd. And he can pack a punch and he can take care and protect Barbie or was it Gloria? I can't remember who he was with in the moment. And going back to our theme of you're enough just being who you are. Isn't it interesting? Alan knew who he was. He was Alan. He was the only Alan. He had a uniqueness about him. And I loved when justice had been restored and all was back, the kins were talking, and I forget which kin said this, but one of the kins said, we were only fighting because we didn't know who we were. Alan wasn't involved in the fighting. He didn't need to be because he knows himself, right? There's a confidence to help somebody else. In one point in time, he like loudly introduces himself. He introduces himself readily and proactively to everyone. He's very proud of being Alan. And when you look at it, he was discontinued. I'm guessing not that many Alans sold, but Alan knows himself and he feels it and he wants happiness for everyone involved. 
and he wants to help lead them to the truth like he has found for himself. He knows the part he plays. His clothes fit Ken. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting. Alan doesn't have a profession, right? He's not beach or he's not president or whatever. He doesn't come with a horse. He is literally just Alan. He has a button down open shirt on, some red shorts. He just shows up and he kind of joins along in some of the adventures throughout the movie. It seems like a side character. It seems like a little joke, but it actually, I think it's a powerful statement. I really do. And I think Alan is part of the movie that makes it so pro-male experience as well, to be honest. You got it. Yeah. And the support that he gave her throughout is so good. Oh, my goodness. I have so many new insights as a result of this conversation. I think it's a great and powerful movie, and I'd welcome more conversations with others on the leadership insights that they gained from the movie as well. I think there's a lot more. I think we just scratched the surface. Oh, yeah. So if you're listening, we are going to be posting this on social. And Gabby and I are both very active on LinkedIn. Please reach out to us and share your thoughts, and let's keep this conversation going. As I think about my big takeaways, we are part of the people that are making the meaning. And this whole conversation in the movie is a reminder to me that I get to create my life. And my life is unfolding every day based on my choices, the things I talk about, the way in which I treat the people in my life. And I'm empowered and free to make every moment what I want it to be. To live your truth and to find your truth. And I think that's beautiful. And yeah, the movie, it spoke to me in so many ways. First, I felt comfort in the validation of that dichotomy that Barbie felt between being brave and letting these thoughts and letting the hard truth of what's going on in our head and our life kind of sink in. And it's okay to have those moments and it's okay to explore whether it's a pivot, right? And in your career and your life and your location, whatever. It gives me that courage and validation that this is normal and this happens. And then I really think it speaks to influence the entire movie, right? That's leadership. And not only are there so many good lessons in the movie, it's creating this movement in society and pop culture, in culture, in our circles that we're talking about it, we're thinking about it. And this is something that's resurfaced for some of us from childhood People are loving this movie that maybe never even played with a Barbie. I think it's enlightening and encouraging that no matter who we are, no matter what circles we run in or what we do for a living, we can really inspire people and get them thinking and create some good change, good conversations and touch lives. Isn't that the truth? Thank you so much, Gabby, for this conversation today. I just adore you. I have tons of respect for you. There's no one I would have rather had this conversation with. And you exceeded my expectations around connecting this movie to leadership lessons. Thank you for bringing it to life for me and for our listeners. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. I think the world of you and excited to connect and engage more. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story. 